Welcome to this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. Melissa, Maria, and I are all pretty excited for this week's topic. Um, it's one definitely probably going to stir up a little controversy. The big question that we want to talk about today is, is there a gender bias within our veterinary profession? And what we talk about and kind of the conclusions we come to may surprise you. So we can't wait to share. Also, listen along as Maria shares with us a culinary win. Melissa has a wonderful vaccinating hack. And I have my epic life fail of technological proportions. So join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is made up of thousands of amazing women. In fact, we're more than 60% of the current workforce, but it's also apparent that we've been struggling to stay happy and fulfilled. Well, join us, the DVM Divas, as we take this profession back from discontent. Listen as we explore the concepts that motivate us. Community. Making positive changes. Growth. Compassion and courage. Laugh with us, cry with us, celebrate with us as we define what it means to be a badass woman in veterinary medicine. Hey ladies, how are you today? Good. <laughs> that didn't sound very convincing. <laughs> oh, okay. It's okay. You can be honest, Maria, you've had a rough week. It's okay to not be convincing. <laughs> really crappy, but we're getting there. <laughs> That's well, a whole other story. Your your week is over, and here's to next week being better. <laughs> That's so. right. How are you, Melissa? I'm good. 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 <laughs> back in the swing of things. Been back from vacation for a little bit now, so plugging along. It was good. It, our family needed the time. So that was great. Like we really enjoyed our family time together with the small exception of one minor trip to the emergency room, but everybody's good. <laughs> um, I know I'm pretty excited to see you ladies. Um, and then I'm also super excited to talk to you about, I think I, we've talked about it a little bit. It's been something that's weighing on my brain. Um, I really want to talk to you about if you ladies feel like there's a gender bias in our profession. And I'm going to put a little caveat to it. Do you feel like there's a gender bias against or towards men in our profession? I think we could be going down that path. You know, I, I, I can see some trends that have been happening. And maybe since I am in the mixed animal world, and I think that a lot of my colleagues are still majority men that's changing. I mean, it, it has to just because of the demographic of the profession and maybe also because I'm married to a male veterinarian. So I hear his side of things too. Um, if we're not careful, I think we could be headed down that path. I have to, I agree with you most of the, I feel like when I started in the profession, um, there was a huge gender bias against females and the woman in the profession. And I can see the actual profession sort of take a shift. And I've seen it a lot more just with social media and with the, the groups and stuff like that. 
you can see like what people are talking to talking about and they're actually pinpointing them and putting it in that direction. So if we are not there right now, it's going to be there very soon. Right. And I think, you know, Melissa, I'm like you having a, a veterinarian husband as well. Um, and he's been practicing a few more years than I have. And he's was the one that initially kind of brought it up to me and was like, Hey, I mean, he even called us out. Like you guys are the DVM divas. Yeah. I was even going to mention that, that we had this conversation when we were discussing what to call ourselves and, and who our target audience is. And we had this conversation. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, I went to Western vet conference and I did the women's better, the women's veterinary day. You know, it was just all women in the room and, you know, he, I came back and he was like, well, could a man have gone? And I was like, yeah, there were actually men there. Like, I mean, one or two, <laughs> not, not the whole room, but I mean, there were a few things that we talked about that were, you know, women specific, mom specific. Um, but yeah, I think it, it could have been helpful for anyone. And so that was kind of when he, you know, originally talked about it and I told him he was full of it and gave him a large chunk of my mind and not nicely. <laughs> but then you know once I started looking and actually kind of not necessarily like trying to find it but just paying closer attention I was like wow so do you think that the women of the profession would be mad or upset if the men had a leadership day and only men were invited I think they would be so mad like if women can have it, then men can too. And I understand like when you go to the woman's stuff, like we talk about different things. We talk about like pregnancies and breastfeeding and, and all this other stuff that men don't understand. But we can't say that and we can't be mad when they want to have it no matter what they're talking about. So it either needs to be all or nothing. Well, and I think some people may counter that or maybe argue against that. Because if you look back over all of the generations of the veterinary profession and how it has been male dominated for so, 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 so long. And, you know, some people will say that, you know, we have been excluded as women. I mean, in, in fact, very intentionally. So, I mean, if you look back in the, you know, early 1900s or, you know, kind of first part of the 1900s when the veterinary profession was really kind of establishing itself, like there were, there was active discrimination against women. In fact, I saw, I almost tagged you guys, but I don't, it was in a group that I don't know if both of you were in. There was a woman that had posted, um, about, she posted a letter from a veterinary college and it was like 1957. Like it really wasn't as long ago as you might think like 57, 58, somewhere in there. And it was from the admissions office basically saying, Hey, thanks for your interest in in applying to veterinary college. But just so you know, we only accept four women a year and we only do that after we've filled all the men's positions. I mean, blatantly stated that we don't feel like women have a place in the profession. And that wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. And so I think on one hand, I see it as, Oh gosh, yeah, we have to be really careful. And we can't do to them what they've done to us. I also, and I don't want to, oh, that sounds horrible. So they and them minute, and but us. It's, then but it's like, then it's almost like a tip for tap type, type I know, thing. Exactly. And exactly. we have to be like my own personal opinion. Yes. 
have they excluded women previously? Absolutely. But we're in a completely different time right. in our life. That was, yes. That, yeah, exactly. That yeah. like, we can't do this tit for tat. And that's with anything in life. You can't do tit for tat. If they want to do it and exclude us, you know, so be it. But to be a better person and to really bring the profession together, because there is a lot of like conflict and stuff, even between vets, you know, there's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of negativity, whether it's like clients to vets, vets to vets. And we have to be the bigger person at some point and bring it all together instead of separating and dividing us even more. Well, and I think, you know, you even caught yourself right there, Melissa, that us and them, you know, that, that divisiveness that occurs and you're right. Like the, you know, for a long time, we weren't allowed in. We weren't given the opportunity, even when we were initially given the opportunity, we got a lot of flack and a lot of things happened. But I guess I don't want to see us wasting time saying an eye for an eye, you know, tip for tap. Right. Like you guys are talking about, I don't want to see us wasting time there because all yeah. that does is it gets us stuck. It's us in this horrible cycle that we can, it's real hard to get out of. So instead, why don't we just keep pushing forward, keep pulling, pulling, pushing, prodding, cattle prodding our profession <laughs> to like do bigger and better. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying necessarily that it's horrible now. I'm just saying if we're not careful, it's a real slippery slope. Well, and I think when we were talking about, when we were building this podcast and we were trying to decide what do we call it? What do we name ourselves? Well, how we do we brand it? And I know that the three of us went back and forth on, do we have a name that is heavily female? And I, most people would probably agree. <laughs> Divas is <laughs> very female, <laughs> um, you know, but we also kind of came to the conclusion that the topics that we were going to discuss were going to be about some of the specific challenges of women in the profession. And so that's, you know, the name kind of encompasses that not that we don't welcome men to listen. They are, they are fully invited to listen. We're just realistic and knowing that we probably won't interest most of them. <laughs> not all. I, I can't speak for all of them, obviously. Um, so it's, you know, I think there's one thing to be said that it's not that we are excluding anybody. We're just transparent and that the topics we are going to discuss are going to be very um, specific to our individual experiences and the three of us are women. And so that's what we know. And that's what we're going to talk about. So then I guess maybe that when we talk about events and like the leadership event and that you went to, and I have been a part of different women and, you know, leadership things. And, you know, are the guys upset about that and are they feeling excluded? And if so, do we have an obligation to try and change that or fix that? Your question is a very, very good one. Because on one hand, I'm like, I sit here and think, okay, what did all my male counterpart or male mentors say to me when I was coming up through veterinary medicine? Speak up, speak up for yourself, speak up for what you want. Use your voice, use it kindly, use it appropriately. You know, don't be a a hole about it. (laughs) Like use your voice. Okay, fine. But as you know, I was talking to um, another male mentor in the veterinary profession about this. And he said, I would not feel comfortable. I would never speak up about 
any of this on my own. Well, and I don't blame them. Right? Exactly. They'll be attacked. They can't even speak up. And if, if they do, literally people will attack them. Not, not physically, but verbally. They'll be canceled. <laughs> yeah, the men's stuff will be canceled and you can't do that. Well, and even if you do speak up about something online, you're verbally attacked. I mean, either by phone, Facebook messages, Instagram. I mean, you name it. We've seen a couple of different times where men spoke up, women didn't like it, and they got drugged through the mud. And so that's where, I mean, on one hand, it's like, yeah, we should speak up. (laughs) And that's (laughs) part of the reason I wanted to do the podcast, especially with you ladies, because I know we all kind of come from different backgrounds and, um, it's a way to speak up and say, hey, maybe we should do men events. <laughs> if they- <laughs> maybe they feel that. I don't know if they're maybe they're looking down on them, even though they're not, but just the feeling that they might get just because it used to be such a male dominant profession. But if we can have these events, we can't get mad or upset if it's just a men only event. I mean, you can, but... <laughs> <laughs> You can, well, and I, I guess. I, Anyone can get upset about anything. Anybody has a right to their opinion, you know, without being backlashed. But I guess you, we have to allow it. You know, the men that I have known personally in the profession, you know, the ones that I have had interactions and relationships with, I have been fortunate that I have not experienced any any significant amount of misogyny or, yeah, a few little things here and there, not necessarily by my my colleagues or my mentors, but more clients than anything. But the men that I have had the privilege of working with have all been great. They've all been very respectful. They've all been, I mean, do they have frustrations? Of course, you know, but I would never be concerned that if all of those men that I knew got together in a room of just themselves, that they are going to do anything detrimental to me or my career, or they're going to try and, you know, bring me down in any way. I, I have that confidence. And so maybe it's naive to think that that would be more widespread across the industry. I guess I, I would hope that it would be that way. You know, my husband, it's been a several years, but he's gone to some men's group church events where, you know, they do have the women's event, you know, where women go and, and kind of discuss and have a weekend of, you know, their fellowship and, and focus on women's issues. And then he's gone to some men's ones and he said they were amazing. They were life-changing and, you know, they gave him that kind of just safe place that we all appreciate having. I know when I've gone to women's retreats, it's been great being able to just openly speak about the things that, that challenge me. And he said it was so fulfilling for them to be able to have that. And granted, it was kind of a church-based thing. So, I mean, the message was a little bit different. He said it was so eye-opening for him. Are we denying the men in our profession that opportunity if we are going to attack them for expressing in our generation? They want the same things that we want. So I don't feel that it would be a bad mouth, how to bring down women, what can we take away from them? Why do they get this? And we don't get that. Because even like maternity leave, they can have paternity leave. In all honesty, they should be entitled to just like we should be entitled to maternity leave. I would feel comfortable with them having their own thing. I think so too. And I, I argued when Kirk and I had talked about this originally, I was like, well, you used to go on like fishing trips all the time. And that's just dudes, you know, mm-hmm. like, 
come on. And he's like, really? Okay. Anywhere. Did it say men only? No, but it's fishing. No girls want to go. And he's like, how many fishing trips did you go on? all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was gonna say I've I myself have been on several of those um uh sponsored fishing trips <laughs> a good point in that like yes it was a fishing trip but nowhere was I ever excluded right nowhere was I ever like by saying men's fishing trip ever would I ever think like oh like I can't go yeah so he's like oh maybe it just needs to be a veterinary conference not a women's veterinary conference well, I don't think there's anything wrong with having stuff in addition to, you know, right. where there's still, and I even think it's a probably a, I would love to see more being more intentional. Like some of the big, well, whenever we get to have conferences again, um, you know, when, when we get to have those meetings and things like that, and if we have some sessions that maybe are focusing on, you know, some women's issues, you know, really trying to reach out to some of the male leadership within the profession and saying, Hey, why don't you join the discussion? Why don't you listen? Even if you just want to just be in the audience and and just listen. And that way, you know, you can actually hear what our struggles are and what our conflicts are. And, and maybe if you hear something that you go, Whoa, 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 wait, I don't, I don't get that. I don't agree with that. Well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's bring that up in a, in a, a mature healthy manner and not just be a venting in a bitch session and then be upset when the other person doesn't understand us or the other side doesn't understand us. Like let's bring people into the discussion. I don't know. I guess I'm just not that intimidated or threatened if they want time by themselves away from women. So what do you guys think about, and we chatted just a little bit about this before we started recording how there's been a trend and I don't know if trend is the right word, but kind of the personification of the negative things that the profession have taken on this role or this, I said this persona of the old male doc referring to, you know, practices and things like that. And and they're using this, I don't know, this kind of universal villain of the older male doc in the profession. And I don't know, what do you guys think about that? So one, I love when we talked about it. And the reason I was just making faces at you is love the use of the word villain. Because to me, like, okay, granted, my kids are young and I'm watching a lot of Disney movies. (laughs) It's the perfect term because really we are, we're making the older, you know, single doc male practice owner, the villain of that med. And it's, I've worked for so many of them and they're really not villains. Like they're very kind human. There's a different standard of practice now. We all know that there's so much more technology. There's so many more drugs. There's so many, so much more knowledge behind everything. I've worked with doctors that practice the old school medicine, those quote unquote villains that you're ta- we're talking about. And sometimes you got to go back to that. Some like sometimes it's exactly what's needed. Client can't afford it, rescues, stuff like that. You need to use this stuff. And yet it may not be the best thing, but if it's that or euthanasia, it's an option. Kind of talked a little bit about it in the generation gap episode too, where you know, sometimes the old method isn't always the wrong method. And we should be open to, you know, why it is that they are practicing 
certain ways or, you know, why did they make that decision regarding treatments and, and medications, you know, with the expectation that they also would be open to the, maybe the newer methods or, you know, if there's been new data or new research that they would also be like, Oh, okay. I didn't think about that, but I just, I get such a bad taste in my mouth when I read posts or I see things and it's just always just hammering the, that very traditional method of practice to the point that I have seen where women in particular have been told don't pursue jobs where you will be working for, or potentially to, you know, stepping into that, that practice where it's only a single doctor, older male person. And that is so unfair. And I just, Oh, it just, it breaks my heart. There's always, look, there's always going to be bad vets. There's bad people. There's always going to be bad women vets. There's always going to be bad men vets. It's always going to be a bad new grads or old grads. But like, yeah, sitting here and stating that every single single doctor, old man vet is bad, don't work for them, don't do it, you know, isn't okay. Because you know what? They built a, most of them built a pretty good practice that is very profitable and that clients love, you know, going in there and showing them the new things can sometimes also help. And that's the one thing I love working. Look, I've been out um, like nine years, I think it's been. And I love when new grads come in because they teach me something new. The thing that I would have to say is if they're not willing to learn new things and they're not willing to try new things and understand the reason why behind it, whether they use it every day or not, then that's a different story, but the majority of them are willing to learn. And I think too, the, you know, I'm, you know, pretty similar to you guys in that my older male mentors who should have been villains, you know, really weren't, they were like my crazy non-sparkly fairy godfather. Like like if we're going to keep with this villain theme, if I'm going to drag that analogy out a little longer, you know, they were great because they, you know, I can remember one in particular who sat me down and was like, look, Annie, you work hard. You're here a lot. Set your boundaries now. I wish I could go back 40 years and reset mine. And that's advice. Like, I wouldn't have gotten that any from anyone else in the profession. I mean, granted, yes, now maybe, but at the time when I started, I wouldn't have. And to sit, you know, have him sit there and tell me his story. And I got the, I know why he said that, you know, tools and tips of the trade. I know we've covered quite a bit and we covered it a lot in our last episode, but they're not the villain. They're not at all. I think I learned my most an older school vet. Like I've gotten to experience the most. I've gotten to, I learned the most from that practice. And that's, to me, it's invaluable. And I built on it and you know, I don't like the fact that we're calling them villains. I don't like the fact that it like it hurts when you sit here and you see these posts and they're like, oh, that's malpractice. That's this, that's that, that, that. And like, yeah, is there other ways to do it? But that's not always an option. You never get the full story on a social media post. You never get the entire story. And so it's so easy. And I've done this myself. You know, we, we form an opinion, we pass judgment, we type it in on our keyboards. We're like, oh my gosh. And there's, there's always, 
more to it. Especially when it's coming from like other practices. Like, you know, when you get the records, you know, like, you know, there's more that happened or more that was said or things that weren't said and they're telling you was said, there's always more. I know a few of, of kind of that stereotypical older male solo practitioner, people who might fit that role anyway. And, you know, they're kind of getting to that point where they, where they are wanting to retire. They're wanting to sell their practices They're, You know, they have very, like you said, very profitable practices to, to kind of hand over. They're finding it very hard. The, there is almost becoming this mistrust of it's, it's having an opposite effect where they, now their mistrust is in the younger women of the profession. They have been vilified for so long now that there's, they can't trust that somebody there's an, uh, there's such an us and them. And, and, it, and sometimes it's not even just male, female. Sometimes it is just generational. It is, like you said, it's just that old school method versus, and I think that's always been a thing, but I don't know. Everything seems so amplified right now. I'm going to blame it on social media. I was going to blame it on the COVID megaphone. <laughs> How about let's blame it on COVID is being m- megaphone through social media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think it's even been before COVID. I mean, COVID yeah. certainly hasn't helped at all, but yeah, I want to blame all the bad stuff on COVID right now, but I don't know. I just feel like we owe it to the profession. We owe it to ourselves to be more open-minded and to just not make judgment and form our opinions before we get the whole story and don't close off an opportunity just because the perception is, oh, well, they're never going to practice the way I want to practice or, you know, making these quick judgments. So if anybody knows out there that's listening of any male vets or that feel that we are being biased towards them or actually getting upset with all the women's retreats and women leadership stuff at these conferences or having women conferences, contact us. Let us know. Are you truly feeling this way? Maybe it's just our perception. I would love it if we had some men that were brave enough to come on. And I don't know how we could do that without them being like totally run up at the stake, but um, we won't use their name. Right. If we could, if we could facilitate that in some way, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting just to kind of hear the flip side of it, as long as we can assure that our wonderful listeners would be open-minded to that. And, and I, and I have all the faith in our listeners that they would be, um, but it might be interesting to kind of hear some of their perspectives and, you know, their take on the whole thing. And yeah, I mean, what can we do to make this industry more cohesive? Because we all know that that's, we, we need to work on that in so many different avenues. And I will say this because I know we're talking about how all women stuff, we are called the DVM divas because we are three women in the profession. We talk about problems in the profession sometimes. And I don't even think we've been hitting a lot on women problems, but we talk about problems in the profession. We are open to everybody and we're not eliminating that them <laughs> or that gender. <laughs> So, and we do have male listeners. I think we have like, I know of three. Woohoo! <laughs> yes. And that's not counting your husbands, right? Right. <laughs> I'm counting both mine and Melissa's husbands. Yeah. So we do want to hear your feedback and we want to know because, you know, in the end, we are all in this together to make the profession better and to make us all happy again, because I feel like a lot of the veterinarians, well, we all know that a lot of the veterinarians haven't been. Well, thank you ladies very much. I was a little bit nervous initially to ask you about this particular gender bias because I know some of us can sometimes get spicy not 
us as in like you guys, I mean like generally women. Um, but I, it was really nice to hear that I, I feel like we're all kind of on the same page and it's on our radar. You know, do we know if it's as big of a gender bias as our gender is experienced? Like, eh, maybe not, but it's definitely growing. And in order to help keep our profession together and moving forward and working together, it's definitely something that we all need to be aware of and to watch out for. Let's start with uh, Melissa. Do you want to give us your hack first and then I'll do my fail? And then we'll finish out with Maria's wine. Sounds good. So I don't know, this may be a commonplace hack. This may not be earth shattering for any of our listeners, but um, I've had a lot of recently over the last few months, we've had a lot of veterinary students kind of shadowing with us at the, at the clinic, which has been amazing and awesome. And so I going through just setting up for appointments. One of the things that I kind of like, Oh yeah, maybe I should mention this. Um, and, and I'm sure with all the fear free and all of that surge of data and things that's been out in the last few years, when I am doing new puppy visits or first puppy vaccinations, and if the puppy is of a particular type, and I will say like those little five pound, less than 10 pound little, I'm going to say foo-foo dogs. I don't know if I'm going to offend anybody by calling them that. I hope not, but not your... And I say this all the love in the world, the dumb, goofy labs and the pities. And, you know, I love those breeds. They're the easiest puppy appointments ever. But, you know, those little dogs that are not going to take your treats. They're not going to take the Kong paste. They're not going to take the squeeze cheese and the peanut butter because they're a quivering ball of nerves and they're shaking and trembling on the table because, of course, I'm sure they were abused before they came into the appointment. You can't see my eye roll, but it's there. (laughs) Anyway, I'm getting off track. Um, Anyway, so if they are needing vaccinated, I make a point and I've told my techs and everybody who helps get the room set up that when you drop the vaccine, of course, you know, you just use most likely a 22 gauge needle, just puts on the syringe. But when it comes time to give the actual injection, take that 22 gauge needle off, put a brand spanking new, fresh 25 gauge needle. Yes, it's small. Yes, it will take a little bit longer to go in, but if it is a thin skinned little dog and is a super fresh, super small needle, they rarely, 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 rarely scream, cry, carry on the whole bit because it just slides in. They don't even know what's happening or they do know what's happening, but it's still, it's so much less drama than the bigger needle, especially the bigger needle that's been put into the vaccine vial and drawn out and, and all that and dulled up because I... I am a huge advocate that every single time you stick that needle into that rubber, you know, plunger or the top of the vaccine vial, like you dole that needle and oh, needles are cheap. And I, if you work at a practice that is going to like bill you for the needles that you use during your exams, you need to find a new practice to work for because that is not the place for you. Don't let your boss bully you on this. Use a brand new needle for those teeny tiny little puppies. It's a very good <laughs> hack, Melissa. That was a long, I feel like that was a long tirade for <laughs> I'll do my fail real quick and then we will end with Maria's win because I'm excited for your win. Um, so my fail is, I think this is the last time we recorded my, like midway through recording, all of a sudden there was like a pop and there was maybe like a burning plastic smell and then everything went away. But due to the magic of editing, most of our listeners may not even be aware of it. <laughs> no idea so quickly regrouped got the phone 
got on, finished out the podcast, which was fine. Um, but then took my wonderful, beautiful MacBook Air that I've had for a long time to the MacBook store. And they officially pronounced her dead on arrival. Hmm. So they wouldn't even give you the money? Oh, yeah. No, because the logic board's bribed. So long and short, um, for the last like month-ish now, been using my husband's laptop, which is very nice of him. Eventually we'll replace it, but we just don't have to right now. So why? My fail is that Windows is my nemesis. <laughs> I can't use it. I don't know where anything is. It takes me 30 extra minutes to do anything. People who've never owned a Mac don't understand that fail. <laughs> I'm like totally ingrained myself in Mac land. Do you have your own special conference just for Mac users? <laughs> I'm gonna. Can you invite me to it even though mine died also? Can I come even though I'm not a Mac user? Yeah, you are more than welcome <laughs> to sit there and hear our problems and wait in. <laughs> our problems? <laughs> oh, I see the wheel of death going there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. It's okay. Um, but so on that very sad note, Maria, what's your win? Well, I just want to say though, that is traumatic. Like it's, it is traumatic when those things happen. And when you're doing little side projects like we're doing and it feels, you know, you feel like you have so much, you know, writing on this little piece of silicone and wiring. And when that fails, it's just crushing. I was amazed at, you know, like the, I guess our audio editing stuff we you know get from the net or whatever but like a lot of the video editing stuff I had like a lot of the photo editing stuff wasn't I didn't purchase it it just came with my Mac no big deal until now when it's all gone <laughs> working on my computer and like my text messages pop up I just respond like I don't know where my phone is half the time because I've got my like if my computer's up I don't need my phone like they all talk to each other one big happy family <laughs> and there's been a death in the family so <laughs> <laughs> okay back the range maria your win i'm excited so anyway i just moved so we just moved to a new house um they decided to leave like appliances from like the 1800s i call it it's not they're just so over them um and don't our... make villains out of your appliances maria i can't stand my appliances <laughs> there's not one that i like Except for the microwave is the only one that really works. Okay, so I, I don't like four of my appliances. But, but no, okay, I'm going to pause for just a minute. Old dishwashers are the, the bomb. Best. Yeah. Oh they're, my they're gosh. And I'm probably dating myself by using the term the bomb. But <laughs> we had an old dishwasher that was probably 20 years old in our old house. And it was amazing. It was awesome. I never had to rinse anything. It was It was awesome. It died. We had to get a new dishwasher and I've never been so unhappy with the purchase and new that well, the sales guy, he's like, Oh yeah, they're only made to last a few years. Like openly admitted. He's like, Yeah, don't don't spend your money on cheap dishwashers actually work better than the more expensive ones. We've always had to replace the more expensive dishwashers in every house that we've had. We have this oven. This oven, I don't know, some days wants to reach 350, some days doesn't want to get over 150. It's like has a mind of its own. You have no idea. So if you follow me, if you're in any of the groups that I'm in, you'll have noticed that I have posted like fails, like the cake fail that deflated and was in the oven for five hours and was still raw in the middle. Don't worry. I ate it. Why not? <laughs> I love raw. You're cake. good. Right. I'm still alive. Um, yeah. Screw so you, Salmonella. <laughs> I can't get you. <laughs> Hang on while I go knock on wood. Anyway, so... I made this big to do on one of the group Facebook pages. And I was like, 
this stupid oven. Look at my cake. I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, get an oven thermometer. Meanwhile, right after I posted it, I thought of the great idea of making an Oreo cheesecake. If anybody has tried my Oreo cheesecake, you will know it is to die for. Okay, that's first of all, I am a killer Oreo cheesecake person. That's with your old oven? Yes. Okay. My old oven. Even my oven in high altitude worked for it. I made this Oreo cheesecake when an hour ago, I was cursing out the oven because it deflated my cake and made it raw. I put it in the oven and it came out perfect. It's like the oven actually understood that this was so important that this cheesecake came out right. Meanwhile, it was just for us to eat and enjoy. But like, (laughs) you know, it wasn't anything special really, but it came out perfect. And like all these people are telling you what to do with this oven. And I just posted the picture of my cheesecake and I'm like, ah, look what I did. So my when is that I got my oven to work for me. at least once since living here, I did not buy that oven thermometer because because I didn't buy it because I'm going to buy a new oven. I'm just waiting for the sales. So why spend the $10 on the thermometer when you're going to spend $1,000? I will say I did put chicken in the oven Saturday at one o'clock. I took it out of the oven at eight o'clock. It was still red in the middle. I put it back in the oven the next day for another hour. And it was so good. I'm like, how the hell is this not dried out? <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. It's so, a new multi-day cooking technique. You know? <laughs> You're like the opposite of the Instapot. <laughs> I was putting the kids to bed or whatever for a nap. And I went to my mother-in-law was like heating up pizza for me. So I'm like, all right, I'll go get it. So it was in the oven for about 20 minutes. It was frozen because we freeze our pizza. Like you buy a pie and then you put it in the freezer. Like cooked, like cooked, you put it in the freezer or like- it Yeah, like up. you go you go to the pizza store, you buy a pie and then- That's you- so East Coast, you buy a pie. <laughs> so East and Coast. then you take it and then you only eat like a piece or two. So you put the rest of the pie in the freezer so you can eat the rest. Who only eats a piece or two? Because it's better. So pizza, fresh pizza is better when you freeze it and then reheat it in the oven. I remember days from college where it would sit out on the counter all night and I'd eat it the next morning and it tasted darn good. (laughs) That's delicious too. So anyway, she was heating it up and I was like, oh, I'll go get it. It's been in there for like 20 minutes. It was still frozen in the middle, but I pulled open the oven and the screw that held the, the front like stainless steel part and the back part, the screw that held it together popped out and like it fell apart. And I'm like, no, this thing is literally trying to die. <laughs> I hope maybe by the time we record next, your win will be that you have a new oven. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I've been using my toaster oven a lot to cook and the stove because I do a lot of stuff oh, on stove. Oh but I promise I will be eating a new oven. I do not feed my kids. Well. I'm going to forward you a link to the I Mom So Hard. They have a podcast now. <gasps> I know, mind blown. They have a podcast. And one of the last episodes, they were talking about um, using an old oven to cook and like you'll appreciate the conversation. So I have to look them up. Not that I want to, you know, convince people to listen to other podcasts, but ours, but listen to that one. It's super, I love, oh, it's so good. If you are a mom, listen to that podcast. Oh, I love I Mom So Hard. They are so great. They're so great. Maria, I'm very proud of you for getting your oven kind of pseudo sorted out, at least for the most important things in life. 
<laughs> Thanksgiving turkey you might be screwed, but <laughs> dessert. <laughs> well, I'm not eating Thanksgiving turkey at Maria's house. I don't know if I'm invited, but if I am, I am not. Unless she gets the new oven, I am not eating it. <laughs> Melissa will have the Oreo cheesecake. Oh, that's all I need. That's, that's all it. I need. Oreo I- cheesecake. Why? Trumps- what yeah. else do you need? I nothing else. Uh, right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I thank both you ladies for your time this evening. It was so good to get to see you and get to visit with you and um, talk about the one thing that's been eating at my brain. Okay, it's not the one. There's a lot. (laughs) Thank you all. I was going to say see you next time, but I guess I'll see you guys next time. They'll get to hear us. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. Want to know more about us? Then visit our website at dvmdivas.com or find us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn. Just look for at DVMDivas. We can also be reached by email at admin at DVMDivas.com. Don't want to miss an episode? Be sure to subscribe. And while you're at it, rate, review, and share. Your online love really does help. And tune in next week as we once again go beyond the stethoscope.